1: Hi, can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for, and sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. Juana Medina is the award-winning creator of the Juana and Lucas series and other books for children, including her most recent bilingual picture book, Elena Rides. She is the recipient of two International Latino Book Awards and the Pura Belpre Author Award. She has also illustrated several books by other writers. Juana Medina was born and raised in Bogotá, Colombia, and currently lives in Northern Virginia with her family. Aquí está mi
2: conversación
1: con Juana. Good morning, Juana, although I just realized it's afternoon there, so buenas tardes.
2: Buenas tardes, buenos <laughs> dias. So good
1: to be here with you. It's so nice to meet you. What a pleasure. Thanks for being with
2: me today. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I'm so excited to talk to you because I love, I you are an author and an illustrator, but I love talking to illustrators because I do not have any drawing skills. And so I think that all that you do is magic. So I'm excited oh, to talk goodness. about all the ins and outs. So, oh, thank you. I wanted to start a little bit with how you. So you are from Colombia, and mm-hmm. I would love to hear how you got started. In did you start with illustrations before or being an illustrator prior to being an author?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, I, it's a good question. Yeah, yeah. How'd you get into it? Yeah. So I think you know, as a kid, I started drawing and telling stories very much hand in hand. And I yes. I was the daughter of a young mother and she very wisely decided to give me an old boom box so that I could record my stories. And oh my gosh, yes. Leave her some space to be herself and not hear me <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and so I started recording my stories, which had ads and everything, very innovative. And I was just part of life, and so was drawing, and I didn't take it seriously for a very long time. And then I was asked, fast forward many, many years, and I was asked to illustrate some books, and I thought, oh, well, yes, it's a project, and I'll do it, and that's it, and move on. And I loved it, but I I thought that was it. There were some projects for Colombia that I was working on, and so I started illustrating first, and then... I just picked up writing. Yeah,
1: amazing. Did you? So you had always kind of been sketching, drawing. Did you study? Then at a certain point, before you started taking it serious, or when did you start taking it seriously? You mentioned that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in a family where pretty much everybody drew, and some. Sort of way, my grandfather was a brain surgeon, but he was a wonderful draftsman, and he would draw everything to explain how the brain works, whatever was wrong with the brain, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother was an incredible woodworker, and so she would do a lot of drafts and designing and figuring out yes. things for her project. Uh, my mom will deny that she is good at drawing, but she's very good okay and so it wasn't until I was in college studying physical therapy full things that I started hearing from people saying, oh, I I can't really draw. Oh, and I Mm -hmm. should say, I went to a school that was very much guided through the arts from pre-K through 12th grade. So it was an integral part of life and like a different, you know, like another language. Yes. In physical therapy, I started hearing people say, oh, I just, I can't draw. And it made no sense to me. It was such a foreign notion that I was like, do you need paper? Can I give you a pen? (laughs) What do you mean you can't draw? And meanwhile, what I couldn't do was... Memorize where all the muscle insertions were going to and from, and how nerves would have all their paths and so on. And so, I made a deal with my physiology professor, who was wonderful, that I would draw all these in my exams. And and I think he was amused by seeing that. And so I always thought, oh well, drawing will also be another language, just like when I, you know, when I was little, seeing my grandfather draft and and explain things and then life took many turns and I ended up coming to the U.S. and years later I ended up going to art school initially I went to the Corcoran for a couple years here in in the D.C. area and then I transferred to Visde where the first time I went there it just felt like my grandmother's woodworking studio but the scale of a school yeah this this is it this is where I want to be. And so I was very lucky to spend some years there as a student and then teaching. And so that's when I started taking it a little more seriously. Yeah. But it took a long, long time. Yeah. Such an interesting
1: way that you phrase that, though, thinking about drawing being like another language. That Mm. never really occurred to me, sort of using it in that medium. That makes complete sense. And yes, as soon as you said that about Origin, insertion, actions, it took me right back to college, memorizing all that and like the cranial nerves. You, you just started talking and I went, oh my gosh, where are my note cards? Uh, <laughs> I got to work on that. That's <laughs> yeah, that's a lot to memorize. So I I'm good for you for bartering to the drawing. That was...
2: That was smart. Yeah. It was helpful. Exactly. Exactly. So well, true. And yeah, yeah please. Continue. If I may. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just going to say a dear friend of mine describes herself saying that she was an artist until age seven or eight. And then mm. she took on other professions. And the more I see how children work um, and having my own children, I find it very interesting that the more children learn to read and write, the steeper the decline becomes in how many children keep drawing. Yeah, And I wonder if those two are somewhat linked. Of course, I don't have any notion of studies or anything that could corroborate this, but I do see it quite often in in school visits that the little ones are very, very confident, kindergartners, Mm -hmm. first graders. Then you start going to third, fourth grader visits and and they, you know, half the room might draw, but not so confidently. You start identifying the artists within the classrooms, and I do fear that culturally we're doing something in not encouraging children to continue to draw. Hmm. And because it's just like singing or dancing, yes, don't make me sing. But uh, right. <laughs> you do not want. That we're not. <laughs> <to happen. laughs> but I think there's a level of expression and understanding that we are. Not tapping into by by giving up so easily on the idea of drawing and observing and documenting what we see through drawing. Yes, um, yeah,
1: that's a really lovely thought. And there's a writing exercise that I've done with a teacher that I know that was, and I think she maybe got it from Danny Shapiro. But it was basically, you know, you divide mm-hmm. the page into fourths, and one of them is to draw what you saw that day. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it is, you're right, sort of practicing that skill and not developing a discomfort around it. I wonder mm-hmm. how we kind of keep that purity. I wonder if it's mm-hmm. part of the achievement of it, right? Like we become obsessed with the outcome of, right. as opposed to the act of creation mm-hmm. in it. I mm-hmm. don't know. thats I'm going to yeah. be thinking about that because it's true. I will say I love directed drawings because I'm a perfectionist. So I just want uh-huh. you to tell me what to do, so then I can measure myself and see how I've done. <laughs> Which is really such a wonderful way to live your life. I mean, I have to say, like, it's just <laughs> let's all be harder on ourselves. That's my no, value why not cry? Right, yeah, right, yeah. T- suck the joy out of it. I mean, that's really what I want to tell everyone. So, but <laughs> but it's true. I think having a little bit more freedom to do that would be such Mm -hmm. a gift you're yeah well and it it's commensurate it feels like with the decrease in art programs and just spaces Mm -hmm. for art that Mm
0: -hmm. exist
1: in school so i'm yeah i'm glad that you were able to have that in your childhood and allow you to keep that as part of what you what you grew into do you feel like were you ever self-conscious around the creation of your art or was it always, I love this and it's just something I do for joy.
2: Oh my goodness. No, of course I was self-conscious. I'm still self-conscious. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because I felt that my work, particularly growing up in school, my work was inadequate. It was not Mm. art with capital A. It was not, you know, aesthetically pleasing. It was more considered a doodle and less of, you know, in mm, some kind yes, of fashion. Yes. And, and um, I think that purist approach and that sort of need for pedigree in art yes, is such an unfortunate aspect of art education. Mm. And so I was more interested in stories and how could my little drawings tell stories or, or you know, relate humor or yeah. something instead of necessarily getting accurately a representative figure of a human body or so on. Right. And so very frequently, I i mean, I, I, even though I grew up in a household where people drew and sure. where I went to a school that was very much encouraging education through the arts, I was never the artist in the mm. classroom. And so, I again, I think that definitely made me feel that I shouldn't take it as something important. There was nothing magical or... You know, that would set me aside yeah. because it was always seen as sort of like, well, they're, they're funny doodles. They're cute, but they're not my, they're more not than that. Art. They're not art. And I even remember mm-hmm. my professor in drawing class at RISD saying, well, I don't know if you'll make a living as an artist, but oh. seeing you draw, that is amusing.
1: Could you cross stitch that on a pillow for me, please? Because that's the kind of encouragement I want to keep. So I can cry myself to sleep every night. Yes, exactly. Amusing. Thanks for that. Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think of it like anything else, right? So many hurdles that you have to overcome, both interior and exterior, to get Mm -hmm. to the place you're meant to be. And Mm -hmm. I will say, though, your work, I love your books. And I do indeed think you are where you're meant to be in terms of what you are creating now, because Thank you. it is so lovely. I love it. So I was a Spanish major in college. So, oh, wow, and I really am just, I love language. I love the interplay. I love seeing how language develops and changes. And I really, I want to kind of start with talking about Juana and Lucas.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the, the thing I think that everyone needs to know is that these books are funny. They are legitimately, laugh out loud, as an adult, funny. Even the first page where it's, my name is pronounced Huwana. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, things like that. You just break it down. And then when you talk about Lucas, some say Lucas is neurotic. I do not think so. He is actually quite calm, especially while sleeping. Like, I just, it's so clever and... So I love seeing how your art has gotten you here, and I'm so glad that it has. So tell me a little bit about how you started. Was One Big Salad before Juana and Lucas? I need to look at your pub dates. It was, right? Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, you should know, a child asked me the other day, I want a book about talking vegetables. Like, out of nowhere. And I said how about this book?
2: Oh, and wow!
1: she was delighted. A second grade friend, she thought I had just hung the moon. It was great. And I just, hmm, hmm, hmm. so oh, you really,
2: that is lovely. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah. You fit a perfect, oh. no one has ever asked me for Talking Vegetables. and I was like, oh, I got you. So it was, <laughs> it was fantastic. Okay. So is that what the one we started with for you?
2: Yes and no. Okay, great. Perfect. So I had been illustrating books for Latin America and then I started pitching with my agent, Juan and Lucas. Okay. And had lovely meetings with a number of people. And so that got me a chance to to meet with potential publishers. And, yes. and uh, after that, Penguin um, invited me to work on a book for Doreen Cronin. So that was SMIC, the first yes. book I illustrated for the U.S. And I, I feel extremely honored That that Mm. was my my start uh, illustrating books in the U.S. And then came uh, with the same team at Penguin uh, or Viking, the ABC pasta and One Big Salad and uh, Sweet Shapes. And sort of in tandem, Juan and Lucas was happening with Candlewick. Yes. Yeah. And so it was very, very interesting to be working in very different projects at the same time. Mm -hmm. Juan and Lucas was a project that uh, took me it was sort of eight years in the making in Mm a way maybe a little less but okay but it felt like it it took a longer time to craft it and I cannot tell you how delightful it is to hear you describe it as a funny book it means the world
1: for me to hear that I'm so glad because it is hilarious. I some days the english isn't my only problem. And I think that is like <laughs> that could be just all of it. It is.
2: Oh, thank you. So, yeah, it just it just it, it felt at times that everything was happening at once. Yes. Thankfully, it wasn't you know, there were pauses, there were times when I would be writing for one, doing the illustrations for the others. And that was helpful in terms of feeding me in how yeah. to convey ideas as best as possible. So by the time I finally finished one and Lucas, which felt like a very big endeavor, those four books had already been published.
1: Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, perfect timing.
2: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your
1: life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. And I know one of the things I love about Juana and Lucas is that it's so rich in terms of the communication of it. I don't, I'm trying to think about the best way to express this. Basically, just that there are different ways that the information is being communicated. You've got the drawings, you've got the way that you've set up the pages, the page design, everything is It's so interesting. And because there's so much diversity in how it's communicated, I feel like it's a great book for so many kids because especially at the age this falls, Mm -hmm. too much text is really intimidating for them. They want books with pictures. And so, you know, you go from what feels like a chapter to a diagram of your people. And I just loved it. And I love hearing about Hugh talk about your grandfather and grandmother because I see them in here. And it just, what a wonderful legacy. So, yeah. And especially it just being funny and so human and so true to that experience of learning something new and struggling with it and just the dread about the meeting with the principal. I was rereading it this morning just laughing. So I I love it. I love it. Now so are you working on another one and Lucas? So you have three,
2: correct? Yeah, I have three. Will that um, be it
1: or are we going to keep going with them?
2: Um we'll find out. <laughs> oh, exciting. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of 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 the idea of writing more. Okay. Yes. And it is, you know, a bit of a process just trying to figure out if continuing, like, yeah. what would be right yes. in continuing the series in terms of does Juan uh, stay the age she is? Mm-hmm. Do we introduce more characters? Does she grow older? And so on. Yes. Is it Juan Wanna-
1: <laughs> Wanna gets her artistic ambitions crushed by the mortar and pestle of life? I feel like that could be good. (laughs) I'll make sure to give you credit.
2: Juana's
1: teacher tells her that she's not going to make a living that way. And so Juana decides to work at Starbucks. The end. you solved it. for me. That's perfect. Well, I mean, really, writing coach, <laughs> here I come. It's amazing how <laughs> this is just going to lead to my next gig. Well, let's also talk about, since we're talking about your lovely looks, let's talk about the most recent, which is Elena Rides and also Elena Montembisi. Yep. Did you know you wanted to write it like this? Like the flip you know, it, and bilingual?
2: Not quite. And okay. I'm extremely grateful that uh, my team at Candlewick, Mary Lee Donovan said, you know, we're trying to figure out how to go about it. Well, how would you feel about this? And I was just mind blown. I yeah. felt like this is the greatest idea ever. And every now and then, I think one of the biggest privileges of working in children's books is healing that past child I've left mm. behind in so nice. many ways. Or offering chances to give back to that seven-year-old excitement that yes. I was missing in some sort of way, and it just felt so good to think of a book that you could turn around and keep reading, and could empower you to to learn more, and and you know without it being didactic and just just about fun. Yes. And so I sent back a resounding, yes, please. And mm-hmm. um, and I'm grateful that we did that version. Yeah. And it has been so much fun to go to school visits and offer children that possibility. And just seeing like, it's not just one bucket, it's two books and one. And I think it also gives an opportunity for those that have, I mean, many different possibilities. One, those that are learning Spanish. Mm-hmm. Yes. So many families that have bilingual families that are bilingual that can yep. benefit from having a book that children or you know their grownups can read. Mm-hmm. And also knowing that there are very many populations within the U.S. where the parents speak Spanish and the children um, speak English. And so just to have an opportunity to bridge that in some mm-hmm. way and that they could m- meet in the middle was something that I had not foreseen, but I have mm-hmm. been able to experience since the book came out. And I am truly amazed by that. Yeah.
1: It really does make so much sense. When I spoke to, I got to interview Meg Medina and her translator recently.
2: I heard that interview. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Incredible. And yeah, I loved speaking to them about that. And to your point, what the idea that, you know, we're trying to draw everyone together into it. And Mm -hmm. this is a way that that can happen. And especially, I love that it's done with a simple book because Mm -hmm. age-wise it can help, but also just it makes the translation a lot easier. So if I want to look at one page and then I want to look at it in English or the reverse, it's not overwhelming to me. So I Mm -hmm. can... You know, and especially for me as someone who's not a native speaker, I love books like this because I don't know casual language, like cataplum. Like I wouldn't, I don't know how to say kablam in Spanish. So Uh things like that that are just, there are so many unique ways that this one's a gift. And I love the story too. I really also like that she gets it and then she falls again. Right. 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 That was m- truly my favorite part. I really felt invested in Elena's attempts to ride her bike, but that she kind of gets the hang and then falls again. And then that's when she's yeah, decided that she's done.
2: Don't we all, I mean, yes, yeah, that's how it goes. That's how we learn things. And, and, and failure is, is hard to process no matter yes. the age. And, um, this book <laughs> after a just a really bad accident. And and I took a terrible fall and broke my spine and just very, very painful fractures and displacements of bones and a very slow recovery. Not even. No, I was, I was, it was a boring adult injury. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. On a wet, you know, floor on a a locker room and slipped and fell. And actually when I was talking to the the doctor that saw me was he was saying what, what were you doing and i said i just like the oh. he could not believe me he was like but but how explain and he finally said i'd only heard of injuries like this in parachuting accidents oh my god <laughs> so i've never been that far from the ground <laughs> yeah so i we were at the time in oaxaca in mexico yeah. living there for a year. We uh, my family and I, we, we had just got gotten there the month before. It was my wife and our year and a half old twins at the time. Oh no.
1: <laughs> what a terrible time to
2: have an accident.
1: Oh and my gosh. So, okay. Yeah.
2: Sally was learning more and more Spanish, but not particularly, you know, hundred percent fluent. And, sure. Sure. And here we are in a totally new country to all of us. And, you know, the boys were a year and a half old and the dog and the new house knowing nobody. Wow. Uh, she effective. was my superhero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I had to be in the bed for eight weeks or so and then slowly started crawling and finally walking. And it was extremely painful and very humbling. And also, the boys were at the time learning to run, and right. and and with that sort of clumsy, adorable walk of yeah. one and a half year old. And so I was constantly, for that long time, at their height. And so it afforded me really fun privileges that I think had I been on my feet, I wouldn't be able to to enjoy. Yeah. So that was lovely. But I also kept on thinking of how hard it was the process of just some mornings feeling like I would wake up and feel like oh I feel great and then the moment I would stand up it was like no 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 No. that's not good and so how could I translate that into a book that children could relate to Um, and for some reason the visual just came to mind what you know what could be more daunting and still funny and some with some grace if if possible to yes. describe it that way of an elephant trying to ride a bike and so in this case the visual came first and then I started thinking thankfully to try to, to keep my mind busy and not think of my bones um right. of how to make this elephant uh work um and figure out her way around riding a bike and so I decided to give that elephant a friend. I, I keep on looking sideways because I have it right yeah. here. But, and that bird is more than anything, a, a big thank you to all the friends and community. We ended up building that came to our rescue without knowing as much and just mm-hmm. offering time and help and joy. And I think that that is as important within the book you were talking earlier about how in Juana and Lucas there's all these layers of the visuals and typography, the prose. Yes. And I think, um, and I've been trying to point out to kids when going to school uh, visits, do not just read the words, particularly meeting with kindergartners who might have some words they can read, some not entirely, and yes. just telling them, you you can read the images. What is the bird doing? And to realize how we have to be there for each other. It doesn't take talking a lot. It doesn't take, you know, being a big hero, mm-hmm. but just being there. And so, yeah, that was my little nod to all Mohicans who came to the rescue. And then the language, yeah, just trying to figure out how can I make a book that is full of action with very little language and that might have words that children can easily recognize but also some others that they might not be otherwise encountering when they're learning to read yes I don't think kaboom or kabam necessarily appears early on in sight words Mm -mm. which are rolling around right now around my house oh sight (laughs) words are they
1: on a little ring
2: Yes, they, yes. Yes. They yes. Are.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. We have those going around the school. I often have to deliver them back after they've been left in the library. It's true.
2: <laughs> well, I must confess, one of one of my kids the other day got, got too excited, and we opened the windows. Finally, spring is here, and out flew the word ring. <laughs> 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 i'm done <laughs> we have no and he was genuinely <laughs> excited but you know the excitement of a six year old is uh, full of energy and and we have driven through that road trying to by the famous word ring and no we never found <laughs> thankfully finally we got another one from the school but um we did not confess what had happened. Good for woman. you.
1: Good for you. Yeah, they don't need to know. It's fine. It's fine. They now have, they might. But- they have 85 <laughs> copies. It's fine. We have a million rings of sight words. We're happy to give you another one. Here you go. Yeah, <laughs> I know, exactly. as the teachers are putting them together. Mm-hmm. Oh, Thank you for sharing that. I'm really, I'm so glad that you had the experience of people caring for you in that and that is but I'm sorry that you had to go through it that's
2: it was very painful Mm. very very painful but it slowed me down in a way that I'm still processing you know and it made for a very very powerful experience one I wish I could have avoided but at the same time I think there has been something very interesting in terms of how it has made me think of intention mm. uh, in writing and mm-hmm. in trying to convey things—not necessarily for the playfulness of it or for yeah. the the story's sake—but it uh, felt like a constant meditation on purpose in mm-hmm. some ways.
1: Yeah, I bet that deeper communication. What What are you saying beneath what you're saying or expressing?
2: Right. Mm-hmm. without preaching, without, right. you know, just without it feeling like this is the message, but how oh. can we, how can through books, we encourage further conversation? How can we pose questions mm-hmm. that don't put us in a higher moral horse? that don't put us in, you know, in a sort of hierarchy in any kind of way, but just where we're all within that same level that I felt, you know, at the same eyesight level of my kids like just just being forced to be on a force for a good couple weeks just made me think there's something we need to do in terms of how we communicate with children Mm -hmm. that puts us at their level in terms of we understand your frustration because we've been there we we can relate yes and tell me more yes and so it has been an interesting experience and seeing it you know come to life is wonderful and seeing it in Spanish is extremely meaningful Working on the translation was also a complete joy with Melanie Cordova at um oh, great at Candlewick because thankfully the experience was not let's translate everything word by word, but sure. just let's let's make it work yes. in Spanish. Yes. And so then that's how the cataplum, cataplum, cataplum <laughs> came to yeah. be and so on. So it was great fun. It was mm-hmm. really, really fun to work on it.
1: Oh, well, it really It comes through. And I love what you're saying too, about seeing things from the level of a child, because I think frustration and those sorts of things that they feel are so valid. And it's easy Mm -hmm. for us as adults to forget some of those really intense emotions. And so, yeah, seeing things the way they see them is so valuable. Oh Well, I'm glad that this book is in the world. And yes, I also would prefer if I could learn deep lessons without suffering or discomfort, but I still haven't figured out how to do that.
2: I'll let you know. If you, if you figure it out, let me know, please. Yes, yes. please. That yeah. and
1: adult injuries where I wake up in the morning and I'm like, so I pulled my neck while I was <laughs> sleeping. How did that happen? It's just, it's just a very humbling adulthood. <laughs> I have a question for you about, you are also an instructor at RISD, correct?
2: Now I'm at uh, George Mason University. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. do you enjoy teaching? I do I mean talk about humbling it just it is it is, just, <laughs> it is a very humbling exercise, and I think particularly teaching in the 2020 s after mm-hmm. all we have experienced through covid yes has put us in at a point where mm, there's so much uncertainty, there's so much we don't know mm-hmm. that it has really put I think everybody. In a position of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. That is uncomfortable at times, many, many times, but I think it is important. And so I think you were mentioning RISD, and I think the populations at RISD and Mason, the demographics tend to be quite different. Oh, okay. And and that switch has been a very powerful part of the experience of teaching here at Mason, and I'll expand on that. Yeah, I think... Most of the students at RISD are students that have just graduated from high school. Okay. Many of them at the top of their class, considering themselves very much the artists. Great. And, you know, okay. continuing their education. Yes. They're very aware of their talents. Many of them have the resources and means. And, and so that sets for a very intentional experience in learning. That makes sense. Whereas... At Mason, we have a lot more diversity, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: a lot of richness in terms of life experiences. And so students, it is a commuter school. Many of them have responsibilities at home. Many of my students are first generation going to college, first generation immigrants. The amount of responsibilities that they're taking in their lives is a totally different story from just being in college and soaking in as much as you can. Right. And so by the time we meet, many of them have not yet realized their talent when it Mm. comes to art. And so it is quite a joy and Mm -hmm. responsibility to tell somebody, you are talented. Yeah. And recognizing that many of them will say, well, thank you, but this is not yet going to pay the bills or it's not going to, ensure sure yes. I get a visa or this is not going to, you know, remedy all the things that I'm having to encounter in life right now. And so just trying to formulate a path for many of them that feels tangible enough or mm-hmm. a guide that feels for them like a path towards entering the world of children's books. That's mm-hmm. my biggest hope. Because I see the potential, because I think with the richness of stories and heritages that we have at Mason, we could be telling incredible stories. And I hope for them in some way or another for these students to end up becoming writers, illustrators, book distributors, editors, you know, art yeah. directors. So that that understanding of the world seeps into the stories that we tell and to and, and into the understanding of of the stories that we that we share. With intentionality yes. and with that purpose, with that sense of purpose. So, I think it has been very interesting to be here. And of course, there's all the downside to academia. I Ye-
1: oh, I think we <laughs> could... academia. Oh, I think we could go on about that for quite a while.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, indeed. We did that, but I think with time, it will be an interesting opportunity for conversation. Yes, and I think my vision and goals are extremely ambitious and something that might or might not happen. But I hope it'll at least give students the opportunity to see that they too belong in the world of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And
1: to your point, in some ways, even not that they belong more so, but that there's so much that they have to offer that someone who hasn't had to claw their way through certain situations, Mm -hmm. or really to arrive where they are has taken more effort or more intentionality, like you're saying, that is in itself really a tremendously valuable thing that you had to work to get here. And in a different way than a traditional high school to college student, they're working on, you know, a different path. But this idea, like you said, visa issues, these very real-life responsibilities that someone carries, and Mm -hmm. still wanting to educate and create art in addition to having all that, that is truly, there's a power there, I think, that we can harness and bring into that world.
2: I hope so. I hope so, and I think it, it is important to emphasize that in so many ways. Like, I remember the first bio that Penguin wrote for me mm-hmm. said when I came to the US to study at RISD and I was like, no, <laughs> I wish right but, but no no like no, I was an immigrant that came here with220 dollars in my pocket. I, right. I we cannot negate the challenges that people find and and the path that finally led me to finally illustrate a book like there's yes. a whole journey of you know 15 years now 20 years, of getting to that point, yes. And I think in so many ways, my colleagues and, and and so many of us have the responsibility of not telling our stories, like, oh yeah, and then I went to college, and then I, yes, worked on books, and now I have you know Pulitzer Prayer award. No, it, it there were intricacies, there were too many cans of tuna that you had yes. to go through, and yes. so many different things, and you know, it it was not that glamorous or or pretty. Yes. And so I think it is important for, for students and for young writers and, and uh, illustrators to, to see that it is a long path, that it mm-hmm. takes a lot of work and, uh, and that it's a winding, very winding road. Yes. So it is, it is interesting to see it. And I think it is important for us to keep that in mind, just as you were saying, and, and how we portray stories.
1: Yeah, because the gifts of that grit can't be overstated. And so mm-hmm. it's knowing that... But you're right, because we exist in a... Especially there's storytelling, which has, I think, more room, but then there's publicity. And there's certain ways that we communicate about these books and about the projects. And it's true, things get smoothed out or we... For, you know, it's not that we forget, but it just... Sometimes there's not time to explain all those things, Mm -hmm. but it's such a Mm -hmm. gift for people to know that it is a winding path and that that's the only path worth taking, even though we would all prefer, you know, just an upward trajectory or we think we would. But the winding path is really what gives you anything to create art about, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it feels Mm -hmm. like. Yeah. A
2: hundred percent. And I think we also have to realize and acknowledge that there has been progress and that things are improving. Very true. And, yes. You know, since Juana and Lucas, when Jillian, my agent and I were we were pitching yeah. Juan and Lucas, I remember many, many responses being, Oh, why don't we switch locations? It's a lovely story, love the illustrations, it's great. But Oh, Colombia is so remote. Is there any chance we could have have this happen in Mexico? Why don't we make her an immigrant in Jackson Heights? And I, right. y- you know, it was like, oof, this is not my story to tell. I don't, right. I cannot. That sounds great for somebody else, but I cannot give that. Yeah. And just recently, you know. We were pitching another story, and people were saying, "Tell me more." And they mm-hmm. were open and excited, and it just feels like this shows progress. Colombia has been on the map, and 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 not just Colombia. You know, many different things. Yeah. And so, I think we do have to acknowledge that the conversation has, in some ways, improved. Yes, clumsily, but we we will continue. Yeah. But yeah, I think we need to acknowledge challenges and difficulties, and all those falls, all the. Yes,
1: absolutely. I am so excited to read this book with my kids and share it also with, we have one school in our district that does dual immersion where weirdly I don't work, but (laughs) I will definitely be sharing this with them. It happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why would we put her there? It's fine. This one's right by my neighborhood. It's okay. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm so grateful for the work that you do. And thank you for this conversation. There will be pieces of this that I will really be considering and turning over and hearing the vast amounts of care and attention and intention that you put behind your books is really inspiring. So I can't wait to see more. And thank you for being with me today. I'm Not so grateful. Thank
2: you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate Absolutely. it greatly.
1: Well, and when Juana works at Starbucks because she's given up on her artistic <laughs> dreams,
2: then you can come back. <laughs> we'll do another one. <laughs> I'll look forward to
1: that. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Juana is crowned down by life. <laughs> and now <laughs> I really could go go ham on that for sure. Well, thank you so much, Wana. Speak soon. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie Writes words, or you can go to my website, JulieWrightsWords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book.